back, everybody. Good to have you here on a Monday afternoon. There is so much to talk about. Oh, my goodness. Sports talk back. We uh, were not on much last week. Thanks to uh, College Hoops, as you might imagine, Adrian was able to get uh, and squeeze a a day out of it, just about. And other than that, between uh, the College Basketball Classic over the weekend and all the uh, NCAA uh, basketball you could handle in the first week, it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, Thank you for Monday. Appreciate that, Adrian. And just being back in town uh, over the weekend and getting a chance to watch all the games and kind of catch up on everything, it has been a wild, wild uh, last week or so of sports. Yeah, Steve. I mean, it, not just the college basketball madness that's going on in the NCAA tournament. You're also having, like UTEP's experiencing, other postseason tournaments going on in college hoops. And besides all of that, you've got baseball news galore. You have football news dropping left and right. It seems like every day you're getting a quarterback change. Yep. And uh, that there's just so much sports to talk about. It's like sports overload. Yes. And you just have to be able to handle it all because you feel like you're at a buffet and there is so much sports to eat. You got to pace yourself because if you go too fast, you're going to fill up. You're not going to be able to handle anymore. And that's kind of the way it is with all this sports. You got to just go and graduate, you know, gradually a little bit here, a little bit there. But man, oh man, there's like ridiculous amounts of sports that is breaking on a daily basis right now. Yeah. I mean, we use, usually we say that October is one of our favorite months of the year because of, you know, it's in the middle of football season, you have baseball playoffs, you just have everything going on in the month of October. But I I feel like March is really creeping up there right now because between the NCAA tournament, between football, which is now a a 365-day-a-year sport, and the baseball news that we're getting left and right, I mean, there's just, you you get sports from everywhere, from every direction right now in in the month of March. And we just came from Utah basketball practice where they're still practicing right now. We were hoping it was going to be over in about half an hour ago, we could have had a chance to talk to some people, but there's they were still going at it when we left about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, and there's a lot of UTEP news going on. I mean, between the actual game that took place on Saturday, wondering the availability of Jamal Bienemy, although uh, Joe Golding after the game hinting that he could be is back as early as uh, tomorrow, but they've got that matchup tomorrow against uh, Southern Utah. Uh, and then you're also talking about the recruiting news that happened with, uh, with the Miners over the weekend and gaining uh, a verbal commitment from a big man out of the junior college ranks. 100% right, 100% right. Right. So, um, you know, you just look at what's going on UTEP-wise. You look at what's going on in the NCAA tournament uh, and the brackets right now. It's wild. I mean, you've got an 11-10 matchup in the Sweet 16. That's a dream matchup. you got a 15 seed who really has a decent shot at moving on because ultimately the 1 and the 2 are gone in their bracket. All you have left right now is a 3, um, an 8, and a 4. So if you love Cinderella's, wouldn't it be amazing if St. Peter's could run to the Final Four in their first ever trip to the tournament? Yeah, and they really upset everybody's brackets from day one. I mean, people were p- picking Kentucky to go to the Final Four. I was that person. I mean, uh, in our million-dollar bracket challenge that you could check up on our website, 600ESPNElPaso.com, I'm probably among the last in the rankings. I'm just going to throw it out there because I had Iowa going all the way. Uh, I had Kentucky going to the Final Four, too, and uh, those those teams are quick exits. And, uh, yeah, I love these Cinderella stories that we're getting so far in March Madness. How did St. Peter's handle Jaden Ivey? That's the one thing I want to know. Texas couldn't handle Jaden Ivey. How is St. Peter's going to be able to do that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I thought Texas played a okay game yesterday. I, f- I felt like they were going to really come back in the second half and actually, you know, pose a big threat to them. But, you know, the way St. Peter's was able to push past Murray State, maybe they could channel that same energy that they had last week and then bring it again against M- Matt Painter's squad this week in Purdue. Um, I'll say this. I watched last night's game between Arizona and TCU. I felt TCU got robbed in the final seconds because that was a clear foul as the ball was uh, was taken away as they were setting up their final play with about five seconds left to go. Couldn't believe that if that ball gets dunked a split second earlier, Arizona would actually steal that game in regulation. That was so wrong. They deserved it in overtime. They outplayed TCU, but TCU should have had foul shots. You can't possibly let that go down the stretch. There's one thing where you say the officials don't want to decide the outcome of the game, but when there's a clear foul and a player loses the basketball like that, you got to blow the whistle. Yeah, I felt like that was a little doctoring right there from the NCAA front office trying to get their one Seeded seeds intact. Baylor, it looked like there was some, uh, you know, some suspect officiating going on in that Baylor North Carolina game, and the Tar Heels were able to pull it off in overtime by some miracle. But that was another game mm-hmm. with some questionable officiating, to say the least. So much to talk about as far as college basketball goes. Obviously, New Mexico State had their run um, right there with Arkansas. Man, you always say, what if, what if, what if? I mean, Teddy Allen uh, had a tough game, and, uh, you know, if, if it wasn't for Johnny McCants, the Aggies even wouldn't have been in the game. They were, Johnny McCants played out of his mind in that game against Arkansas but you know what the Aggies were close they were close to knocking off Arkansas and punching their ticket into the Sweet 16 but they lose the next day Chris Jans is on his way to Mississippi State and suddenly the Aggies have a coaching vacancy yeah and wow you know back-to-back years in the borderland area Stephen the El Paso Las Cruces area where we're talking about uh, coaching turnover here in the month of March which is just interesting because you know uh, Chris Jans has just done so much for New Mexico State and I felt like over the weekend he was celebrated in in that regard because he really brought this team uh, always a winner. He was a UTEP killer, so UTEP fans will always have to remember Chris Jans as somebody who only lost to the Miners once in his entire uh, stint here with the Aggies. And so, I mean, for Chris Jans going to the SEC, it's a a tough task right there. But if anybody's going to have success at that level, maybe it's Chris Jans. Well, listen, okay, he can recruit and he can coach. And that's huge. I've seen guys that can do one or the other. I haven't seen a ton of guys that can do both that have left, uh, uh, you know, in recent years and been able to parlay it. I think Jans can do it. I think he can get the same kind of players he's got at New Mexico State, just maybe a higher level of athlete at Mississippi State. And suddenly, you know what? He's not having to fight and claw to win the tournament every year because the SEC gets multiple teams in, unlike the WAC. And now, if you've got a good team and you can get some good wins on your under your belt, you're into the NCAA tournament. I think Jans has a really good shot to uh, to go to Mississippi State and win out in Starkville. Yeah, and I know that Aggie fans are you know a little sad, and I understandably so. I mean, it's a coach who brought you so much success at this point. But if you're an Aggie fan, don't you know that this was probably coming? I mean, over oh my the God. past two years, he's been uh, mentioned in coaching jobs. If you're an Aggie fan, consider it a blessing. You kept the guy as long as you did. All right, Jans should have been gone years ago. He should, you know, last year I thought he was getting the UTEP job. That goes to Joe Golding. He's been up for other jobs in years past be happy you had Chris Jans as long as you're able to get him because he was unbelievable at New Mexico State and you know he was a coach that you know has been up for other jobs it was just a matter of time and again you know New Mexico State and and Mocha 
I've got a feeling that this next hire has an opportunity. They could very well bring somebody in that is just like what Chris Jans brought to, to the table the last four or five years. And I wrote about that on the website today at 600ESPNLPasso.com. You know, it's interesting too, Steve, because the brand of New Mexico State is very high right now. I mean, like, they're just coming off an NCAA tournament win. Uh, if you're looking at that program from afar, you're thinking, wow, you can have success in the WAC. Plus, yeah. you're going to be going to the Conference USA soon. So that job is very appealing, I would say, from an outside perspective. Why wouldn't it be? They've been successful for more than a decade now. I mean, if you think about it, you had Reggie Theus, what he did. Then you had Menzies. Um, you had a year of Paul Weir and then right into Chris Jans. I mean, that program has been up at the top for, for a long time now. So you're right. Yeah, they're moving to Conference USA. It's going to be a little bit of a tougher run than it is at the WAC, but that should be a pretty uh, sought-after position right now at NMSU. And I know that some, uh, some people, uh, some Aggie fans, wanted to reference those previous coaches that you just mentioned right there and said, oh, well, those coaches never had any success. Well, I would say this. Chris Jans is totally different than Marvin Menzies. Completely. Paul Weir, everybody like that. Again, to me, Jans is a coach and a recruiter, all right? I've seen great recruiters. I've seen good coaches. But you have to understand, he does both, and he does both really, really well. And he's got a good group of support staff. I mean, you know, I don't think Jans is going to fail at Mississippi State. I really don't. I think he's going to succeed out there. So, you know, and then if that's the case, Aggie fans, be happy you saw, you had Chris Jans when, when you had him. So, all right, good start to the show. We've got two lines are open, 880-5763, as we get started here on Sports Talk. By the way, Eric, the number four in the age, just tweeted, NMSU don't pay. Uh, let me tell you something, Eric. When you add up bonuses, Jans made over $600,000 the last couple of years. NMSU pays, all right? The base pay might not be much, but believe me, Mario Mocha figures out a way to get enough money into their hands where they're making more than you think. And if Jans' bonuses kicks in and he's over 600000 at New Mexico State, that's pretty good money. That's, that's, that's not that far off from what UTEP is paying. Yeah, and they're giving raises left and right through incentive base, you know, donor base incentives that they're they're putting together. So uh, this athletic department has done a great job as far as paying their coaches. And if there's a question on whether or not they'll do it, hey, they'll at least agree on a price and they'll they'll pay that. It's it might not be in base salary, but they'll find a way to do it. And I'll tell you something else: if you put more fans in the Pan Am Center, and you didn't have to try to go and 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 do what Mario does to get people to go watch them play, which is a joke because they should sell out just by by the merit of what they've done on the court the last 10 years, uh, you'd be able to pay a lot more than what they're paying right now. And that's that's the facts, too. So if you're in Las Cruces and you are and you know you, you don't want to lose your coach, hey, then you know what? You need to go support them more. You need to have better crowds because I was in that building a couple of times this year watching them play in conference games, and there were three, 4,000 there. And I'm looking at this team going, this team deserves sellouts every night. They don't deserve to see three, 4,000 fans for a basketball game. So if you're telling me that it's lower attendance for their football team, I understand because their, their football team hasn't been that successful. But in a pro in a program like their basketball group that's been successful year after year, that's hanging banners left and right, cutting down the nets, yeah, those fans definitely took that team for granted. And they definitely took, uh, you know, to some degree took Chris Jans for granted because he wasn't staying there forever, Steve. No. He was going elsewhere. And, and this is good for him. This is good for the brand of New Mexico State because he left it in a great place. 100% agree. All right, let's kick the phones off today with Vic. Victor, he's going to be first up here on the program. Victor, welcome aboard. How are you? Hello, my friend. How are you? Good, Victor. What's going on? 
Oh, um, I'm heartbroken. Oh, um, you can't be heartbroken. You knew no, it was well, you knew it was coming, Victor. It's yeah, not no, like a surprise. No, yeah, I understand, but I was telling Adrian that you know that you know me and Coach uh, Jans and and Sherry, his wife, uh, we broke bread. Uh, um, mostly me and Coach Jans, but a few times with Sherry as well at the Aggie coaches shows. They had him at Rudy's on on uh, yeah. Wednesdays. Yeah, absolutely, with Adam Young, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, and Adams a first class individual as well. Um, it you know, Coach Jans took the time. He he showed genuine interest in me, uh, Steve, when he was talking to me. He said, hey, Vic, how's it going, man? How how's life? How's this and that, whatever. I can tell his interest. I could tell he was very a genuine, genuine down to earth first class guy. Um, and that's what drew me to him or drew me to him and, and his interest in me and just on a personal level. I'm happy you know, connected he, with you. Listen, I've gotten to know Chris pretty well over the last four or five years, Victor, and all I can tell you is I loved working with him, loved getting to know him. I'm going to miss him. Right. He was one of my favorites out there, and I don't have any doubt in my mind that he's not going to win at Mississippi State. I think he's going to do the same thing over there that he did at New Mexico State, right. except he's not going to have to right. try to uh, win a tournament to go dancing every year. I, I agree with you. And I know you have a lot of calls to take, so let me just ask a couple of really quick questions. Sure. So that way I can get off the air, Steve. Thank you. Um, I, all I hear is um, it, it seems that the people that I talk to, their guy is Jim, uh, James Miller. Mm-hmm. James Miller. Now, now, I don't doubt them. I, 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 in fact, I agree with them. I understand where they're coming from, and I totally agree with what all the, you know, people are saying, but this is my question to you. I have not had a chance to see your article in 600 AM El Paso, uh, KROD, uh, where you guys list the candidates, or I believe it's, if I heard Adrian correctly, or maybe you were the one that mentioned, but there's a, a an article, a brief article that says the names of candidates that are, yeah. that have been rumored. I wrote about okay. it. I wrote about it today. The guy that I, listen, James Miller's getting steam. There's no doubt. Players want him. People around the community love him. He got a good endorsement from Jans yesterday. But keep an eye on the name Greg Heyer, okay? Greg Heyer is a Northwest Florida State head coach in JUCO. Took him over last year in his first year. They won six games the year before. He won the national title over the weekend. Won the national championship um, in JUCO. And he worked with Jans and Steve Forbes at Wichita State um, for Greg Marshall. So I could absolutely see Greg Heyer as the next head coach because he's young, mid-40s, has some great experience with that same tree with Marshall that Jans and Forbes had, and he just had an incredible JUCO season where he's going to be a pretty hot name around college basketball. You might not know him, but I'm telling you, if you do your homework on him, I think Greg Heyer is the kind of guy that might end up in Las Cruces when it's all said and done. Any any possibility on uh, Marvin uh, Marvin Menzies coming for uh, an interview for the head coach? I doubt it. I mean, I thought when Marvin left, it, he ran his course at New Mexico State. I think fans mm-hmm. are ready for him to go. He was ready for a change. He did everything he could at NMSU. I don't think there's going to be a Menzies reunion just because I felt that when he left the first time, he had pretty much, um, you know, it, it ran its course. So I don't think so this time around, Victor. No. All righty, Steve. And one last thing before I let you go. 
um, do you think that the the coach that will ultimately or the, the the coach in your list is Greg Hire that will make everybody think twice about James Miller? Um, let's put it this in, way. In your in your opinion, in well, your opinion. I called I called in the story Greg Hire, Chris Jantz 2.0. When he was hired at Northwest Florida State this past year, he said he wanted his team to play angry. I mean, that, that fit to me. That that is a that, that's New Mexico State basketball, and it said that's Jans. So right, yeah. no, I mean, I think I think James Miller's going to have a really good shot. He's been there the last four years. He's got New Mexico coaching ties. Um, he's somebody that knows the community. He's very well liked and respected by his players. But remember, when we're left, there was another internal candidate that everybody was pushing for, and he went out and hired Jans. And look what Jans did. So this time around, if if they go with Weir, uh, if sorry, if they go with Hire, I think James Miller goes to Mississippi State with Chris, coaches over there as his, as one of his top assistants, and he'll land a head coaching job. It's just a matter of time. But you just wonder if Mario is going to want to keep it in that same family like he did and uh, go with with a guy like Hire, who again. To me, if he doesn't get the job at NMSU, he's already been linked to Louisiana Tech and other coaching positions. He's got a really good shot to get a head coaching job this year someplace. Good point, Steve. You, you and Adrian keep up the good work, okay? Thanks, Victor. Talk to you soon. 19 pass. Just getting going here on Sports Talk. Memphis Drew coming up next right after Charlie One with traffic. 22 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk, 880-5763. That is our telephone number to get right on into the program, 880-5763 here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, Um, great point from our pal El Paso Visuals Deportivos. Um. And he's right. Brings this. Uh, he says, to be fair, the last four head men's basketball coaches at New Mexico State, Theus, Menzies, Weir, and Jans, all took the Aggies to the tournament. Jans is good, but perhaps any decent coach can take the Aggies dancing, and the math backs that and doesn't lie. So don't fret too much, NMSU fans. Big changes. They're going to conference USA, though. That's 100% right. You ain't going to be playing with uh, cream puffs anymore, folks. The competition is going to get a little tougher, that's for sure. They're going to be joining next summer, and they're going to have to deal with UTEP on a regular basis, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee. Then they get Liberty. Um, Jacksonville State's going to be in this mix now. Yeah, that is not exactly a walk in the park, if you ask me. Yeah, you could throw the math aside. You could throw all those NCAA tournaments appearances aside. It's Conference USA, which is a one-bid league, just like the WAC. I mean, it's a one-bid league, but uh, tougher competition over there. Nice job, Ivan. Appreciate the tweet, though. Good job, my friend. 24 past the hour as uh, we continue here on Sports Talk. Uh, by the way, this is also very cool. Um, Daniel Garcia tweeted out, uh, and we know him as Danny Garcia because he works at UTEP, former minor player. Now he's uh, he's in the athletic department office and has been for years. Um, there will be a garage sale um, at the spring game, so fans can purchase exclusive athletic gear like game uniforms, unused practice gear, shirts, and hats. That is awesome. 
So Danny loved that. That is that's the kind of thing that fans in this town will get all excited about. I'm telling you, they're going to love the spring game, but they're going to go crazy for the UTEP garage sale. A Nike gear stuff like these players are rocking like these Nike UTEP hats all the time. And, you know, I'm always wondering, like, how much extra, how many of those extras do they have just lying around everywhere? So this yep. is where it, where it is. It's it's going on in a garage sale because I guess there are uh, items that have been lying around um, out there. And I'm sure there's some really good stuff here, you know, as far as the garage sale items. Game used uniforms and unused practice gear. That's the greatest right there. That's the kind of stuff fans can't buy in the bookstore. I wonder if if they're going to throw any Texas Western stuff in that mix as well. I hope so. I hope so. You know, like that pullover that only mm-hmm. players have? Well, I think they, they released it uh, real quickly to the public, but uh, the players got some really cool TWC stuff. Oh, my God. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Anyway. 25 pan. We got to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see if I can talk to Danny. We can get a, we can get like a sneak preview yes. and show fans what's going to be there and get them more excited than ever before. Because if we can get a tour of what the garage sale is going to look like, I want to see the, I want to see the UTEP garage right now and what's there. Cause I know whenever we do a garage sale at the house, we always try to have at least a dozen items that will sell within the first 30 seconds. Things that people will gravitate to, and you know right out of the gate, you've sold those items. So you know UTEP's going to have the same thing. Yeah, if we get that sneak peek, we can get our video team to come with yes. us and stuff like that, and we can give fans a real good sneak peek of, the, a peek of this. I think that's a good idea. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Anyway, uh, you ever have a garage sale where people were crawling under the garage when you opened it for the very first time? No, never Seriously? That. No, but I'll tell I you did. this. Uh, that's insane. Fan, people would Listen, it's the truth. We had garage sales. One year, we opened the door. There were people crawling under the garage as it was opening up, jockeying for position to get first in as I was opening up the garage. And all I thought about is, why am I not videoing this? Why am I not rolling on this right now? Because it was incredible. Is that like a Craigslist product? Like, did you throw your address on Craigslist or Karen something Karen did like everything. That? She marketed the crap out ah, of it. Took out an El Paso okay. Times ad. Wow. That there would be a garage sale. Okay, so once I took, uh, we, we took an ad out, and I don't know what it was in. I think it was Craigslist. I think we just th- threw a post on Craigslist. Yeah. And there were people lined up outside like bef- like an hour before we started, but nothing like that, like lining up and getting inside the garage yes. b- while you're opening things? When the garage opened, they actually hit the deck and tried to crawl in first to get the First shot at it as the garage was opening up for the sale. Okay, no joke. I feel like you and my dad could collaborate on the best book that maybe no one would read about garage sale people. Like, mm. it's very fascinating, Steve, but I feel like El Paso has a, a funny, funny culture when it comes to uh, garage sale people. I agree with you. I totally agree. All right, uh, we got a line ready to go. 8805763. Let's go to Memphis. Drew, he's been hanging tight. He is up next on the program. Drew, happy Monday. How are you? Thank you, Steve. How are you, sir? How was your trip? Oh, trip was great, Drew. Trip was great. Phoenix was phenomenal. We discovered a new restaurant on this trip. It's an Italian restaurant called Tutti Santi, which was on 16th Street in Phoenix. That was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, spring training was great. A couple of uh, trips to see uh, some teams work out. Padres were, were great as well in Peoria. And, yeah, just had a lot of fun. Could have been Memphis and uh, New Mexico State, Steve. Uh, I know. Uh, I know. New Mexico State got off to that 
slow start and had a few turnovers and couldn't make any baskets in the beginning. And Memphis played uh, excellent. I don't think they could have played better in the first half. Mm -hmm. But uh, Timmy just made some uh, incredible shots there. Well, I'll say this. The Zags have been struggling through first the first two games. Remember, at halftime, Georgia State was right there. Right there. And they didn't pull away until midway through the second half in that one in, against a 16 seed. And then Memphis brought it. Everybody's bringing their A game to go take on the Zags. And uh, I don't expect any difference uh, from Arkansas when they get their shot here uh, coming up on Thursday. Okay. Well, how do you evaluate uh, Teddy Allen? You think he's a... Uh... Uh, first, uh, second, late first rounder, uh, second rounder. I mean, that's going to be that is going to be a really interesting uh, situation. Is what happens with Teddy Allen? Will he get drafted? And where would he find himself as far as a draft goes? I don't know if Teddy Buckets is going to put himself on that. You know, on those two rounds, that's going to be interesting. Or will he just get an opportunity to play in the summer league and try and and, and try to make a roster like that? Um, I don't. I mean, I've been looking at a lot of prospects on the draft list, and I haven't seen Teddy right now as a uh, as a as a top you know as a as a second uh, first or second round pick right now. Just haven't seen it. How about you, Adrian? Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I think you're probably going to hope if you're a New Mexico State fan for Teddy Allen that he could join a team like uh, uh, Traveling Queen has in the past, where he signs a G League deal over the summer and then stays in the G League. But yeah, the, the, you know Teddy Allen again. We're always talking about prospects being a little too old, and unfortunately, as soon as you cross after you know. 20, 21 years old to NBA teams. You're old in their eyes. Unfortunately, that's the case. And uh, for that reason, Teddy Allen might be a G League guy to start things off. Yeah, because I'm looking at the top 100 right now for the NBA draft on ESPN, and Teddy is not on the list. He's not. Yeah, uh, and six foot six for being a small forward. I know he kind of plays that combo type of thing, but kind of kind of position. But yeah, it's just it's a tough position for him to play and, and break through as a as a junior at New Mexico State. I'll say this: even though he's old, I do believe Bryson Williams could play himself into the second round of the NBA draft, Drew, because he's hitting threes now. And when you've got a guy that's his size that can bang away from the outside and play down low, to me, that is NBA material. So I do think Bryce can work his way into the second round for the NBA draft. Mm -hmm. And I do think uh, Houston and uh, Texas Tech have a a real good chance to advance to the next round. I tell you, Houston, man, they play hard Mm -hmm. every possession, and they dive at balls, and they they go all out. They give you 100% all the way. I could see that, and I'll tell you something else. Michigan's had a great run themselves, knocking off Tennessee and then beating Colorado State. Plus, you've got uh, you know Villanova and that 11-2 matchup. I mean, it's possible that if Houston can knock off Arizona, they could find themselves in the Final Four this year and, and, and beat the winner of Villanova-Michigan. So it's, it's definitely possible. And uh, Dak Prescott, his contract looks like a bargain now compared to what Watson and Rodgers are making. What do you think on that? Well, I still, you know, I appreciate the phone call, Drew, and we're going to get to Sports Center in a moment. Look, I get the idea about, you know, Watson, and and I also get the idea about Rodgers, but the truth is, hey, Prescott's going to make a deep run in the playoffs, all right? Look, we like Prescott for what he's done so far, but Adrian, what he hasn't done yet is really take the Cowboys deep into the postseason. That's going to be ultimately what you judge Dak Prescott on as far as his value. Yeah, somebody argued with me like uh, he's a – 
He's a poor. He's kind of like a Kirk Cousins right now. And unfortunately, what's the argument against that? I mean, Kirk Cousins hasn't really won anything in the in the playoffs either. As Dak, and I know he has that one victory under his belt. I still take Dak ten out of ten days over Kirk Cousins. But uh, there are arguments right now against Dak Prescott to be a, among the best in the league right now. Of course, more in a moment, including Steve, who's hanging on the lines and wants to talk Jans. We'll do that in a moment. But first, let's go to Adrian in this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. We keep things moving right now. Let's go to Steve. He's next on the program, 35 past the hour. How are you doing, Steve? Steve, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How about yourself? Doing great. Actually, Steve and Adrian, and Adrian's done a great job with his um, online Twitter on UTEP stuff. I think he's he's becoming one of the top guys, if not the top guy on, on Twitter and UTEP. So, Adrian, thank you for the good work. Adrian's the best. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm biased because I work with him and I know him and, and, and I see him every day, but uh, this is everybody in the media. And, and, and Colin does a great job. Nate does a great job. I try to do, I, I try yeah. to do what I can around, uh, around UTEP, but Adrian is simply the best yeah. follow when it comes yeah. to UTEP news, and there is, there is nobody good, close. Adrian's the best, yeah. And, and Steve, you're, you're great uh, in your breath, too, because you're doing beer, you're doing baseball, you're doing UTEP. Uh, so you're, you have a little bit more variety, but UTEP stuff, just Adrian, is, is great. I'm going to tweet out more uh, tequila uh, uh, tasting notes, too. I'm going to start doing that now. i got to get into my tequila uh, a little bit more on Twitter. I don't, Looking forward I, to it. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll, I'll do that. I'll share some tequila with you guys on, on Twitter because I, I drink enough of it. I might as well let you see some of that, too. So, all right. Go ahead, Steve. Steve, against conventional wisdom, uh, I'm going to throw out there that Jan should have seriously considered staying at New Mexico State if he could have gotten them to up there. Uh, their pay. When you take a look at the, the coaches in the region, from from Menzies to Theus to Weir to arguably Alford for sure, Barbie and Doc, they all had downward career trajectories after they left the, the regional teams. I think the only one who arguably um, had an upward trajectory was Gillespie, who uh, you know did what he did at A and M and then uh, Kentucky, but but you know blew up there. Um, but if Jan's uh, and the others have played their cards right. They have long-term contracts. They are kings in the communities um, that they're uh, in and arguably make uh, longer-lasting impacts in terms of the programs that um, they're with. Now, we will get – I'm sorry, um, Gans will get paid somewhere between 2 and $3 million a year, which is a lot. But I, I, he's got to produce, I'd say, within the first three to four mm-hmm. years, or he's also at risk sure. for being out. The, the Mississippi's uh, – head coach who, who just left Holland, who got fired last year, was in the finals of the NIT. Um, and so a lot of programs would consider that a success. But when you go to the SEC at one of the lower-end schools like Mississippi State, it's extraordinarily hard, and your window is not going to be a five- to ten-year window. Your, your results have to be within the first several years. So I wish Jan's the best hell of a coach, but I think there's a, a great argument to be made that he should have considered staying at NMSU. So I'm with you in the sense that he's a king here. There's no doubt. But understand this. As Adrian pointed out a moment ago, it's going to get tougher going to CUSA than it is the WAC because unless CUSA suddenly becomes a multi-bid league, he's fighting for one with better teams top to bottom than he is at the WAC right now, okay? So that's the first thing. you got to make sure when you're if you do that – um, you want to leave uh, at, at the peak of your value. And I think that Jance has never been hotter than he is right now, especially right. taking a team uh, a game into the tournament. And the money's huge. It sets you up for life. But unlike the other coaches, 
I just think something's different about Chris Jans. I think he's the exception to the rule, the guy that will be able to win at that level. Because I think, A, he can recruit, and B, he can coach. Take Doc, for example, okay? Doc coached his butt off. We knew that. But Doc had a tough time recruiting to Nebraska. That was the problem with Doc. It wasn't the coaching aspect of it. He's one of the best coaches in the country, but he couldn't recruit to the, to the to get the team above a certain level. Okay? Now, Gillespie was set at Texas A&M. And had Gillespie not gone to Kentucky, they would have built a statue for him already at A&M because of what he did in the first couple of years after he left UTEP. So Billy Gillespie is the exception to the rule, okay, as far as that goes. But Tony Barbie, he took the payday because he knew what he was getting going to Auburn, and he didn't know how much longer he would have that opportunity. So he wanted the financial security and then went back to Kentucky and was paid very handsomely as an assistant. Um, you look at Weir and New Mexico, it was kind of a parallel job. I mean, it wasn't a huge upgrade, and obviously he was never able to do it in the Mountain West, what he did in, at New Mexico State in the one year he was there. So it's hard to really mention Weir as that example. And then you got Menzies at UNLV. So think about about it. New Mexico State coaches have gone to UNLV, the NBA, in Reggie Theus's case, he went to the Sacramento Kings, and New Mexico. So they've never really, you've never really seen what these coaches can do unless you really talk about Lou Henson and what he did Correct. at Illinois all yeah. those years. Right. So and then I went back to New Mexico State. Right. After but he did it, but yeah, but right, but he but he won at Illinois. He's a god over right. there in Champaign. Point is, I think Jans is one of those rare coaches that you'll see will be able to win at a school in Star- like Starkville and-, and Mississippi State as he did in-, in New Mexico State. Only time will tell, but I- I would- I'd bet on him. Stephen, I'll-, I'll end here. The- the- just in his division alone, the West Division, he's going up against Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. All of those schools out-resource, um, out-reputation, outperform Mississippi State historically. Um, so I just think he's got an incredibly tall mountain to climb and I wish him the best of luck. I just Now let me throw let me throw let me throw this at you, okay? What if he gets the same kind of players at Mississippi State like he gets in New Mexico State but, in other words, guys that you gamble on, you take risks, uh, you know, players that might uh, come with some baggage, but you make sure that they come in, they, they, they don't do anything to, to really put themselves in jeopardy or the program in jeopardy. So what if he, he gets that, but he gets a higher-level ball player at Mississippi State than he had at New Mexico State? Then what? Because you got to remember, he beat, New, he beat Mississippi State on yeah, the no, road no with New Mexico State's team in his roster. So, I, yeah, you know. I, I hope he's doing that, but he's he's really at the bottom of the barrel in in the West. And I would think the closest analogy would be uh, Barbie going to Auburn, uh, which which I not I don't think arguably I think objectively is a higher tier school than Mississippi State. And you saw what Barbie could not do at that university. Now you see where Auburn is now. I know you, you can win there. Just historically, no one has been able to win at Mississippi State, and just their division alone, they're not the cream of that crop. They're not even mid level. They're at the bottom of the barrel. Just understand one thing. Jance can recruit and he can coach. Yeah. And he's and, and to me, when you get a guy that's a total package like that, you can right. go to places like Mississippi State and win and turn it around. Again, I am about as big a believer in Chris Jance as you're going to find anywhere, and I think he's one of those guys that will be able to go into Starkville and win. Yeah, and I, and I hope you're right, but I think, in that again, just in that division alone, all of those coaches can coach and all of those coaches can recruit. Mm-hmm. 
states, but they're in schools that have a little bit higher uh, yeah. value in terms of, of perception. So he's it's tough. I, again, I wish him the best, and I hope he does well, but he had a great thing in, in Cruces. If he goes there and he wins and the fans start to go, then the budget increases, and now suddenly Correct. he's got more to work with. So Correct. there we see. All right. Good job, Steve. Right. Appreciate you. All right. You can try and argue with Jans all you want. Nobody is, and I mean nobody, is going to tell me that Christian is going to fail at Mississippi State. I will not believe that. Well, here's another point to all this, Steve. There, there were rumors about Chris Jans also being up for the job for Kansas State. Now, let's just say Chris Jans is weighing out the options. Do you want to go in the Big 12 where competition is putting out uh, national champions year after year? Or do you want to go into the SEC where the NCAA tournament is saying, wow, you know, the SEC has really progressed at year after year. Let's continue to add more teams in the SEC to join the, the field of 68. Might not be as tough, a, as tough an out going to SEC like it is at the Big 12. Yeah, I think the SEC is a way easier route. Absolutely. Ask Chris Beard about that. All right, 44 past the hour. Come back with more. Sports Talk continues. 10 in front of 5 as we continue here on Sports Talk. With you till 7 o'clock tonight on a windy El Paso day. It was kind of nasty out when we were out at uh, Utah basketball practice a little while ago. I heard it's gotten a little bit better, but hey, we'd love to hear from you. 8805763 that is our telephone number um, Adrian, I don't know about you, but I always feel refreshed coming off of vacation week. Yeah, I do too. I, it feels like a nice uh, breath of fresh air when we come back after a long week. We get to talk with all the people who've been kind of waiting, chopping at the bit to try to uh, call us on Sports Talk. It feels good to be back. It really does. I agree with you. Like this man, Chad, who joins us next on the phone lines. Mr. Middleton, how are you? I'm great, sir. How are you guys doing? Welcome oh. back. Thanks. Good to be back. Appreciate the call. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look. Uh, no offense to the guy that just called, but saying Mississippi State is at the bottom, maybe right now, but I believe it was 96 they were in the Final Four. That's if correct. You go down the, if you want to go down the list, LSU hasn't been anything since probably, well, Ben Simmons was a flash in the pan one year. So how many years ago was that? You go back further than that, you had Shaq and Chris Jackson. Then you go before that, they, fi- they only made the Final Four, and I think it was 86 with Dale Brown. You go to Ole Miss, they haven't been anything ever, and there's still nothing. They're the bottom feeder. They only had, I believe the guy's name was Glass. He could shoot. He was a three-point threat. Then, if you want to go down that, Auburn hasn't been anything up until recently since Charles Barkley. And then, if you want to go to Arkansas, Nolan was the last one to do anything to them. They had everybody back then with, the what was it, 40 minutes of hell? And then you want to talk about uh, going with they had a flash in the pan with John Pelfrey when he came over. So you can go down the list of everybody in the SEC West, and when was the last time? I mean, this year A&M was decent. They were good. They should have made the tournament. They got snubbed. Yep. And that, before that, it was a couple years ago, and then it was Billy Gillespie, and they weren't even in the tournament. They weren't in the league. So – if Jans is going to Mississippi State, if he can recruit the way everything falls, he could be at the top in two to three years because the way everything turns in that division of basketball in the SEC. I'm with That's you on that one. And by the way, the last time that uh, you mentioned Mississippi State was in the Final Four in 96, which is hard to believe it's 26 years ago, uh, they lost right. to Syracuse the year before they went to the Sweet 16, and that's when they right. had uh, Dante Jones and Eric Dampier, a couple of uh, first-round NBA right. picks. 
Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it can be done. You just got to get in there and do it. And especially in that division because it's a roller coaster. Nobody stays up in that division. Somebody's always on top. Somebody comes up, overtakes them, then they drop down. They're no good for a while. Yep. I mean, heck, Auburn could be Auburn could be a bottom feeder again once Bruce Pearl gets sanctioned again. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Good point. Good point. You know it's coming. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just a matter of time. And it's like enjoy it while you have it. But again, right. you know, you've got great recruiters. You've got great coaches, but you don't always have both. And that's the thing that, to me, separates Jans from the others. Exactly. And now you're recruiting to a great part of Mississippi. I mean, you're, you're not, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's good weather. They hardly ever get snow. I mean, you're going to – chicks are hot. I mean, come on. Give me a break, dude. You'll get, you'll get the guys in there. I like that. Well, maybe Steve needs to go check that out a little bit. Maybe he'll think twice about it, right? Dude. All, right. All right, buddy. Talk you to you soon. There he is, Chad. Uh, Chad joining us here on Sports Talk as uh, we continue. All right. Uh, by the way, um, Chris Jans uh, and his wife have uh, boarded the flight out to Starkville. Uh, here's what he had to say as he was getting on the plane. Hey, Bulldog fans. Chris and Sherry Jans here, getting on the plane, headed to Starkville. Can't wait to get there. Hail State. There it is. So, and by the way, the weather was just awful at the airport. You could just see it. There's black clouds everywhere, and and wind is crazy. So, uh, you know. But hey, he's almost there. He's en route. We got a private jet waiting for him. And uh, and a man of few words right there. I like it. Eight seconds. That's all you need, right? That's all you need. Hour two, right around the corner. Stay with us. Sports talk continues here on six hundred ESPN El Paso. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Jim Ward uh, leading us off here into hour two. Paper Fish from his latest um, record, Daggers. That's how we begin the program. Along with Adrian Broaddus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. You just heard the news during SportsCenter. Aggies now looking for a new head coach. I really think Greg Heyer has an interesting resume when I look at what uh, he's done. And again, a name that is not exactly a household name, like some of the others might be. If you are if you are Mario Mocha, okay? Mario Mocha has never shied away from taking a risk, okay? Never. I mean, at the time he hired Jans, it was risky because he had been uh, dismissed from Bowling Green after just one season because of a incident that happened at a bar that was caught on tape, but Got a second opportunity, won, won big, has made the most of his uh, second chance, and now is at Mississippi State, okay? Greg Marshall is somebody that was with Jans at Wichita State, and for years, Greg Marshall was one of the top programs in the country with the Shockers. But then details started to uh, come out about his treatment of players. He resigned, got a huge settlement, and has just been kind of sitting back, not doing anything. Um, yeah, would there be backlash for Marshall? Absolutely. But should we say that Mario Mojo wouldn't take a chance? I mean, that is, you know, that's something to think about right there. It really is. Then again, Greg Heyer was an assistant for Marshall for years, along with Steve Forbes and Jans. They were all together at Wichita State. And then you look at what Heyer did this past season in JUCO, took over a team that had six wins, 
and they won the national championship in junior college in his first season. They beat the one seed on Saturday by 16 to win the junior college national championship. And when he got the job last year as, as in the junior college in Florida, he said, I want my team to play angry. Well, to me, that's pretty much Christian's in a nutshell. So um, if, if you really don't want to drop off, uh, some will say hire from within and bring James Miller, promote him. He's got New Mexico experience. He's coached uh, at the uh, you know at the level at New Mexico State, and and also um, he coached under Grand McCaslin, who's one of the great names right now in in coaches, who's on his way to SMU from uh, North Texas. Or you look at a guy like Greg Heyer, might not be a big name right now, but you know what? He's getting talk for other jobs, and he's one of these guys that has the pedigree, mid forties, just needs that big opportunity, and he can go from there and. Uh, Adrian, to me, given you know what New Mexico State pays and the kind of success they have, uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if that's where Mario Mocha goes for his next head coach. Yeah, I feel like Greg Heyer would also bring a big, a big breath of fresh air. Not saying that the program needs it necessarily, but I feel like uh, newness could be good for this men's basketball program. And Heyer, who turned the program right around at the junior college level and won a national championship, what more do you want out of a resume? Now, when you're just putting up, uh, up against James Miller, I know a lot of people who are Aggies fans might want to say, well, uh, James Miller, he was uh, so one of the persons who was able to to recruit a lot of these current players who are on the Aggies men's basketball roster. He's a he's a, a great recruiter in that regard, and he's been with Chris Jans all the way. He should get an opportunity for this. Yeah, and, and he should be a finalist. He should interview for this kind of job. But, Steve, those kind of hirings don't really happen. The, you know, promote from within, an assistant to come and, and take over the reins. Those just don't happen as much in college basketball nowadays. So I would just cautious, caution all those people who think, oh, James Miller's going to be the next coach. Hey, hey slow down on that especially when like you said um, history suggests when we're left after a year I forget the name but there was an associate head coach who many thought would be like right up there and could take the position and they went with Jans and look at the results that's a great point right there. And and they go with somebody from the outside who can bring something new to the team. And I think that that also is very good for a program who's just continuing to try to get better. Remember, Mexico State's going through a lot of new changes in these next couple of years, so they're going to need somebody for uh, for the foreseeable future here. Absolutely. Two lines are available, 880-5763. That is our telephone number. Cesar Cubillos at Ice Cubillos tweets the show. Heck, the only Mississippi State guy I can name these days is Dak Prescott. I do wish Coach Jans well up there. Hopefully UTEP can hold on to Coach Golding when he gets UTEP back on top. And when is in caps. Listen, Coach Joe Golding has done an absolutely terrific job with this team this season. Uh, I don't think anybody is going to argue that. I, I, I was telling this to somebody over the weekend. I feel like what he's done ultimately is he has squeezed every last drop out of the team that he has to get the best possible results he can get on this team. I, I don't really think that there's much you can say that leaves unfinished business with the current group, especially the veterans, for what the, you know he's been able to get out of them this year. The bigger question is going to be, 
if they stay, can you bring enough difference makers to, to get them over the top next season? And if he loses a few or more, will they be able to recruit impact players so that they can actually improve and not take a big step back? That's going to be the only issue I have with Joe Golding right now. Yeah, and I feel like you know a lot of minor fans has to evaluate his recruiting efforts this whole year on a full year of recruiting instead of just, oh, hey, come, come be hired here at UTEP, uh, get acclimated quickly in El Paso and then go off and recruit the best players here uh, to come and join the minors. That, that's a difficult task uh, in itself and I, f- I felt like Joe Golding did a good job of recruiting the previous players by the previous coaching staff and and uh, keeping some of the players intact like Jamal Biennemi, mm-hmm. Sule Boom, Keontae Kennedy etc. And now we're going to see in this offseason what kind of play, what kind of high caliber players can he bring with a full season under his belt? Two lines available as we begin hour number two. 8805763 our telephone number. Uh let's go to the phones right now with the line ringing in. Here is Eddie who joins us next. Eddie, welcome aboard. What's going on? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay, Steve. Doing okay just as well as all the rest of the Aggie fans wondering who is it going to be? Who are we? Who is Mario Mocha going to bring in? And you know Mario is willing and kneeling doing everything he can for uh for all the Aggie uh, uh, alum and all the Aggie fans that want to see continued success. And I was uh, chatting with Adrian. Uh, you know, I sent him a, a, a link to a letter that was written by a, a former Aggie great, a women's basketball player, who is also uh, now a, a, a community member in Las Cruces. And she was pointing out why hasn't William Benjamin been put in the mix. And Adrian was like, you know what, let's, let's what do you think? Let's hear your perspective. And, you know, I don't know about William Benjamin being a, a head coach, um, you know, because I don't know how he would recruit. Um, but I, I really feel like for me, being a, a local and being in the area for so long, that Coach Benjamin is where he needs to be right now. Um, but other than that, I, I really don't know if Coach Benjamin would be the right choice. Uh, but I do know this, that Mario will do what he needs to do to get the right pick. And whether it is whoever we all have all these ideas, Mario is going to get the job done. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And by the way, I mean, if you think about it, he's done some great things at Las Cruces High. But um, like when UTEP had their opening, I mean, you really weren't looking at a high school coach. Uh, that's, that is a very, very risky, risky thing. If you're a high school coach and you've won well and you you played in New Mexico State and you've done well at that level, I can see if you want to get into high school coach, to college coaching, either start at, at an assistant spot or a director of basketball ops or all these other positions they have and working your way up. But nobody's going to hire a, a high school coach and make them a finalist for a college job with no college coaching experience. I don't I don't buy that. I, and I agree with you 100%, Steve, because, you know, we've both been around this for so long. And in that letter, that it was an open letter to the athletic department, she, she pointed out what you just said. And she said that she has a long list of, of college coaches who have done it in the past. But I'm with you 100%, Steve. I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. I don't know about you, and I, well, I do know about you and, and Adrian. It's been a wonderful college basketball season this year, and it's so amazing to see both the Aggies and the Miners succeed. Just think about it, Coach Golding. He has a chance to get 21 wins this year. Wow! Yep. yep. And, they, and the Aggies have done what they did. 
what a great what a great year for all of us sports fans. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for the phone call. 880-5763. That is our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk. By the way, good job, Adrian, uh, getting us the name Jesse Bopp. That was the finalist in 2017 when Jans was hired, who was then an assistant coach at New Mexico State. Yeah, interestingly enough, he is now the associate head coach at Florida International. So uh, UTEP fans will still uh, know the name Jesse Bopp as he plays the minors uh, you know, in Conference USA. Let's go to Gonzaga. Mike, he joins us next on the program. Mikey, what's going on? How are you? Hey, no, I'm doing good. It's tournament time. The Zags are still playing, so I'm doing good. There you go, love yep. Your, some some sk- show, and uh, I, heard, uh, I heard somebody, Nate, saying uh, hiring the assistant coach and finding somebody outside of the program, but I totally disagree coming from uh, Spokane, Washington, and seeing Mark Few take over as go from assistant to head coach when his head coach left. His head coach went to the University of Minnesota and lasted about a year and a half at the most. And then he went to Long Beach State. So, you know, I think, uh, I think they'd be better served uh, hiring from within and get, or getting somebody small, new, that uh, can start a program because you don't, you don't want to be a jump-off point for people. It's, uh, and, and, you know, if, uh, if they can do it right like few did it, they become the big fish in a small pond. It's not a bad job. I don't disagree, but at the same time, if you bring in somebody, a guy that is from that same coaching tree that Jans is from and was on the same staff as him, then you're keeping it in the family. You might not necessarily be at New Mexico State like James Miller is, but in this case of Greg Heyer, hey, here's a guy that was with Forbes, that was with Jans, that was with Marshall, knows that same exact system they've been running, had an unbelievable season in JUCO where he wins the national championship taken over a six-win team in his first year as head coach, and now he's getting looks from everywhere. So, you know what? Louisiana Tech's got him on their list. Do you want to possibly lose him to another mid-major, especially in Conference USA where you would have to play him uh, you know, twice a year? No, that's a great argument. He's, he's, he would be a logical choice, but again, you know, he's not going to stay. He's, you know, he's going to go from JUCO to NMSU and, you know, have a great tournament run and, and take the, the next available job. Nobody's going to so, stay, though. Mike, listen, if, if there's somebody's throwing you 2 to $3 million and the Aggies are paying, you know, two twenty-five, and then you got Mario Mocha trying to raise another two or 300 in a retention bonus just to keep somebody happy in Las Cruces, you get big dollars thrown at you, you're going you're, you're gonna to go. It's, it's rare to find a coach that will not take a shot at a high major job when the salary is four to six times what they're making in Las Cruces. True that, true that. They have to be competitive. So, I hear you. Good call. Appreciate you getting in, Mike. Thanks so much. Yep. 15 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right. Uh, Give me your thoughts on the whole William Benjamin story. I mean, it's an interesting open letter. I get what Anita Maxwell is saying. I do. But I think that before you suddenly elevate Las Cruces High's coach and, and NMSU alum to a finalist job for this position, hey, you got to come on board as an assistant. You got to at least get your, you know, cut your teeth as a as as a college basketball coach. Yeah, politically, it just isn't how college basketball works nowadays. College basketball, you don't have high school coaches who are elevated to the college basketball level. You have AAU coaches who are lifted up to player of de- development or personnel kind of roles, not necessarily head coaching roles. Yep. You have to be around the college coaching uh, circuit before breaking through. More lines ringing in. We'll get to the calls in a moment, but first, let's head 
on back to Charlie. One, 16 passed, and he has a traffic update for us. Charlie, how are we looking? 21 passed as we're back here on Sports Talk. Uh, this happened just moments ago, according to verbal commits. Nate Pryor has thrown his name into the transfer portal. Uh, this will be a very interesting situation to monitor how many Aggie players are going to be portal bound now that Chris Jans is out as head coach. Yeah, and I feel like in the portal-friendly world that we live in, in today's college basketball world, we might have more Aggie players enter the portal. And then even, you know, once the next coach's name, maybe they decide to come back like we've seen in years, you know, in years past with other programs when they have a coaching change. So uh, I, I definitely think that we will see an active transfer portal with the New Mexico State Aggie players. Oh, I'm the same way with you. I can't wait to see how fast it runs. That's going to be the really interesting thing. All right, two lines ready to go. Let's get to you right now. As we keep things moving, start with John. He's next up, 880-5763 with one line available. Hey, John, what's going on? How are you? Well, this is Ruben, but you don't spell it with a J. Oh, my apologies, John. I, I had the wrong I had the wrong line mixed up on there. That's my fault. John, I'll get to you in a moment right after Ruben. What's going on, Ruben? How are you? <laughs> Not much. Hey, listen, what a perfect segue to my question, and that is this. Two, two questions on on players from New Mexico State. Number one is, you've already answered it by your segue, um, guys leaving the program. But my second question is, how many of the players that are on the Aggies roster now do you and Adrian think have the ability to play at Mississippi State and follow Chris Jan? I'll say one, obviously, and that's Teddy Allen. That's a no-brainer and an easy one. And I also think Jabari Rice could play it in Mississippi State in a heartbeat and would be, uh, would, be, would be a banger. I'll tell you somebody else, okay? Johnny McCants has turned into a really nice big man. He's athletic as heck. He's active. And even though he's not consistent game in, game out, He's got a body for the SEC, so they've got more than a few that could that could be, um, you know, SEC bound players. But here's the thing, you know, coaches don't like to leave and take players with them. You know, that has never really been a strategy. Most coaches will shy away from doing that because they don't want to be taking their their nucleus and just uh, ripping it apart. But, but with the the day that we, the day and age that we live in right now, with the transfer portal, would you still consider take him taking them rather than them leaving? I mean, obviously they are, but um, is it fair to say that he's like taking them? Um, and that's such a tough call. I mean, that really is. Um, you know, there might be. Now, here's the question, okay? If a guy goes into the portal and you say no. And then another SEC school takes them, and you've got to face them in your league. Um, then, then do you have second thoughts about passing up on them? True, true. Okay, all right. Those were my two questions. Like I said, I mean, I was I was kind of curious because last night I went to New Mexico State's uh, basketball site on their on their web, and because I was curious what the range was of classification of all the players that were going to be left behind and you know they have a relatively young experienced roster they do and like i said on my post you know whoever comes in 
they're going to have some really good players to build off of as a foundation already on that program. Assuming they're not in the portal? Yes. Because you heard what Joe Golding said when he took the UTEP job. He had to re-recruit everybody. He had to sit down, and there were plenty of guys that he had to convince to stay and not go to the portal or come out of the portal and come with him. So whoever gets the job, that's going to be the first thing they've got to do is is try to re-recruit the whole roster. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me just say that for the guys, like you said, for the guys that stay behind, um, whoever it is, I think that they have a really strong nucleus. I mean, um, Mm -hmm. you know, New Mexico State, you know, that rivalry that we have between UTEP and New Mexico State, you know, as long as they're not playing UTEP, you know, I I don't have a problem cheering for them, and I wish wish the best for them. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, uh, I'm – I'm happy for Coach Jans, but by the same token, I'm kind of sad because uh, he brought that fire back to that program, man, and you could see it any time they played up against Utah. I mean, it was there. I agree completely. I mean, and I'll look back at all the coaches, okay, and this goes Theus, Menzies, Weir, nobody, and I mean nobody, had fire like that when he was out there on the court. I don't know if it was Haskins-esque, because I wasn't around here in the 60s and early 70s, but all I can tell you is that is the most intense individual on a game that I've seen around here. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, you know, it's funny, because when you think about it, it's almost like his his on-court persona is is, uh, is a throwback to Coach Haskins there. No Absolutely. Doubt. Absolutely. So like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss seeing him on the sidelines, and uh, we'll see what happens. But thank you for taking my call and answering my questions, and we'll see El Paso out tomorrow at the dawn. Can't wait. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait for the 7 o'clock tip uh, against Southern Utah. Good job, Ruben. Appreciate the call. Uh, who are we leaving out? Who else on the New Mexico State roster do you think could be uh, you know, Mississippi State caliber? I think you hit on it with uh, – I, I feel like, first off, Teddy Allen could play anywhere. Like, he yep. like he could play tomorrow at Duke and, and be a, a great player. I, I do believe that. Teddy Allen has that kind of ability. Uh, Jabari Rice could be somebody who's like an off-the-bench scorer. I could definitely see that. A little undersized, mm-hmm. I would say. He's a for little, the SEC, he, yes. Yeah, for the SEC. SEC a little skinny for the SEC, but right. uh, there's no there's no uh, knocking him or saying that he couldn't necessarily do it and come off the bench and be a significant role player for them. It's just based on what these guys want. Do they want to be uh, a starter at a mid major program? Do they want the opportunity to start every game, yep. or would they be okay taking a bench role and being more of a rotational piece? Johnny McCants drove Arkansas nuts and kept New Mexico State in that game when Teddy Allen couldn't hit a shot. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Johnny McCants. He's only six foot seven, but he plays like he's seven foot one. I yep. mean, and he plays like he's two hundred eighty pounds. He, he does. plays with a lot of heart, plays with a lot of emotion. I, I think that motor is a little bit of a question with him, but he makes up for it uh, with what he does off the glass. And Johnny McCants, he'd be a good player. I don't know if he's got that eligibility. He's, I think he was no, a senior. I think he's and he's not leaving. He's not leaving Las Cruces. Yeah. Come on, he's a Las Cruces guy. He went to school there. Yeah, so. but Jabari Rice and Teddy Allen are both uh, redshirt juniors. Yeah, it's going to be really. Interesting. All right, 28 past. The sports talk continues. Let's keep things moving. Here's John. He joins us next. Hi, John. Hey, Steve. What's up? Not much. How are you? Doing great. It was a great weekend. Oh, uh, man, you were loving all this uh, college basketball, weren't you? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, believe it or not, Steve, a little bit more the women than the men. Interesting. You believe what? what is going on in the women's bracket. 
you know, I believe Tennessee lost and Baylor lost. Yeah, I mean that's it's funny you bring up the women because very few are talking about the women's tournament like they are the men, and considering what's happening right now, you're right. The big story is you know Baylor lost, Iowa lost, and uh, a lot of the powers that are top seeds are going down. Yeah, that one that one shocked me really, really bad on uh, last night with Baylor. But well, with the men, I wasn't shocked, believe it or not, with the men, Steve. I actually, when I saw North Carolina was going to pull that draw, I had a good feeling that they were going to beat Baylor on the men's side. But my my originally looking at the tournament, once I saw the one seeds, I thought the second one seed to go was Gonzaga. How can you not call that foul at half court? That dude bumped him. He cross-checked him across the line. Are you talking about the Arizona TCU Arizona, game? I'm sorry. Yeah, the Arizona yes. TCU Arizona, game I'm at sorry. the end was, yes. was a joke. That was an absolute yes. joke. Yes, yes. Arizona should be gone. But I think, I think Gonzaga is going to be the next one seed to go. Well, they've been flirting with it the last two. Even against mm-hmm. the 16th seed, they struggled in the first half. Oh, yeah, for sure. They, they have. And if, I mean, yep. And if, by the way, if they go, then ultimately it's, uh, you know, it's going to have to be Arkansas that, that knocks them off or the winner of the Texas Tech Duke game. I think Texas Tech's going to beat them, Steve. I think they can. The way their style of play, they can make Duke play so iso ball. That is the game I am looking forward to the most. Of all the Sweet 16 games, Texas Tech and Duke, I think, is going to be phenomenal. Oh, yeah, for sure, Steve, for sure. Um, But, of course, you know, with the tournament and everything, the best thing for me that happened this weekend was Kentucky losing in the tournament. That was great. Well, then you should be thrilled because that was that. And, by the way, not only did Kentucky lose, but St. Peter's ends up beating Murray State, and now they're in the Sweet 16. With a date, uh, with a date against Purdue, who has one of the most exciting players in the in the tournament in Ivy. Yeah, they they do. I watched a little bit of that, the end of that game, Steve. I don't know what to make of Purdue. I know they've been top all year stuff, but I don't know there's just something. Don't feel good about it. I mean, well, considering their track record, also that doesn't help. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, maybe this is Painter's year. I'll tell you what, the bracket is clear for him. That's the one mm-hmm. thing you can say for Matt Painter. If he can get it done, I mean, ultimately, you know, he gets the winner of North Carolina UCLA for a chance to go to the Final Four. This could be the year that Purdue has a legit shot. Yeah, it has to be. With everything clear for him, it has to be. At least the Elite Eight, if you're going to make a deep run for Purdue. No doubt. And the last thing, Steve, I cannot believe my fills got both Schwarber and Castellanos. I was going to be happy with one. Christmas in March for you, my both. friend. Christmas in March. And now you, like, you get them. Hallelujah. Yep. yep. I'm like, there, there's no excuse. Now, I, I know, you know, Harper well, wanted help. He got the help now. Offensively, yes. It could be the worst defensive outfield in the history of baseball, but who cares if they're hitting bombs, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know they say pitching wins in baseball, but sometimes there's lineups that you just cannot outscore. 
and we've seen it over the years in baseball. We have. Now, of course, pitching is does worry me, of course. But I'm going to say it right now, Steve. I think this lineup could possibly give the Dodgers a run. I'm not saying it's better, but it's up there. Well, all I can tell you is this. Um, so I would assume, I mean, who plays center field? That's another question. Who's going to play center for Philly? I have got, no idea. You got Schwarber in left. You got Harper in right. Castellanos ain't playing center. No, he's not. I, I Maybe you DH Castellanos and you put um, a double Herrera in center field. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you do with it. What, what I would do, Steve, real quick, I would sh- I would DH Schwarber. Okay. Believe it or not, I, I would. Well, um, then that, that makes sense. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that, too. Right. With, with Schwarber, I, I think he's got a little bit more punch yep. in the bat than, than Castellanos. But with the center field thing, I have no idea. What, why they brought back Herrera is beyond me. Well, because they, they have nobody to play center. That's the biggest issue. They have, you have to have. What are you going to put? You going to put, you gonna put Matt Veerling at center field? Look, look at look at his situation, Steve. It's like it's like Deshaun Watson. I know. Why? I know. Why? Yeah. Well, they spent their money and they just went for big bops. We'll see what happens. It's be fun. Enjoy the Phillies this year. Have some fun with it. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. No, and you enjoy your Mets. There's no excuse for them this year, Steve. There's always an excuse for Mets fans. We have an excuse. We have a built-in excuse every year, John. We do. So I just have to come up well, with it. Well, you're loaded year. up on the on the rotation. They are. So they are. we'll see. All right. Appreciate the phone call. 35 past. Here's Adrian with a uh, belated uh, Sports Center update. One two punch. Zach Eflin is a huge question mark because he's hurt all the time. He's your third starter. Kyle Gibson is not getting any younger as your fourth starter. And then you got Ranger Suarez as your fifth starter. Again, Wheeler and Nola, I like. Eflin, if he's healthy, but they've got a huge uh, a set of huge question marks. And by the way, again, defensively, it's it's probably the worst outfield in baseball. So you got to hope they can hit because they won't be able to field. Yeah, and before we can ever talk about them uh, competing against the Dodgers, can we quickly uh, evaluate what the Dodgers did here in free agency, Steve? Mm. I mean, come yeah, on, I man. I like, know, Freddie this, Freeman. This I get you. This team just continues to retool with all-stars left and right. How are you How are you already, as a Phillies fan, ready to jump and say that you're ready to contend for uh, for uh, a, a shot against the Dodgers? No, and you got to be upset if you're a Padres fan because you see Freeman go to the Dodgers, and what do they do? They trade for Luke Voigt. I mean, that is just not – and you lose – and you lose uh, Fernando. Tatis for three months. Yeah, that's the worst news of them all. And the fact that, I don't know, I mean, there's always the what ifs with wow. this, Steve, but what if uh, baseball was not in their lockout and he could have been uh, sent with team doctors a lot earlier? I'll say this. It looks like El Pasoans might get their wish because as Fernando Tatis rehabs from his injury, chances are he will be spending a few weeks in El Paso as he gets ready to go back to the big leagues. So if you're a Chihuahuas fan, you might really want to uh, take advantage of those dates in May and June when you might might have an opportunity to see some Fernando Tatis action here in El Paso. With surgery on a broken wrist like this, Steve, what's usually the timeline? Are we talking like months uh, in, in terms of recovery for Fernando Tatis and then uh, having a chance to come to El Paso for AAA rehab? Three months. Yeah, so we're looking at, yeah, probably May, June, July. So if you're, if you're out for three months after surgery, you can't just jump back to the big leagues. You can't. You, you have to face live pitching, and the only way you're going to face live pitching is – in the minor leagues. So more than likely, um, he will find himself in AAA 
because that is the closest to the big leagues that he's going to face. Is the early injury uh, history that Fernando Tatis Jr. has experienced alarming uh, if you're a Padres fan, or is it something that you should shrug off? No, I mean, any injury. Listen, he's always hurt. He's hurt every year. So that's the problem with him right now is that, you know what, he's injured. uh, And, again, how did he get hurt? He fell off his motorcycle. And that is, ask uh, Madison Bumgarner what it's like falling off a bike. Okay, because Madison Bumgarner was dominating with the Giants and then uh, fell off a bike as he was, uh, I guess it was a dirt bike. And you might say that Bum has never really been the same as he was before the bike as he was after the bike. So you got to be real careful with that kind of stuff. And, you know, unfortunately, the crazy thing is the team had no idea about the injury because they were not allowed to talk to Tatis during the lockout. No communication whatsoever. Therefore, they were not even allowed to know what happened and find out about the injury until after the lockout was settled. Yeah, and from uh, Fernando Tatis' perspective, the athletic wrote that uh, you know when he suffered that accident off the motorcycle, he just thought, oh, it's kind of like my wrist when I jam it after sliding into second base. Nothing crazy right now right. at the moment. He just had bruises and stuff but it never healed properly nothing ever really got uh he never got to 100 percent on that wrist and then he he elected to get surgery well he went into the cage just started hitting balls and it started bothering him and that's probably when he realized you know he thought that just letting it heal was was the way to go but um you know wasn't able to talk to doctors right that's right and uh well he could have could have listen he could have gone into an er or could have gone into a uh you know just uh whatever whether it's a um, an ER or uh, an urgent care center. Or his own doctors, maybe, yeah. Well, for $400 million, you think you would have your own doctors, right? You think you'd be like, you're pretty good there. Yeah, so, come on. I know. All right. Uh, 19 in front of six as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll come back with plenty more. Stay with us. ABC 7 News is next. 49 after as we continue here with a line ringing in at 880-5763, our telephone number. Get you right on in and through to the program. So much uh, going on in sports, college basketball. We got the NFL. We got baseball. We've got the NBA. NHL trade deadline today. I mean, it's just it's it's unbelievable. There's so much going on. You just can't handle it all. It's it's like a dream come true here on uh, the 21st day of March, 2022. And uh, if you want to talk about it, we'd love to hear from you. By the way. Uh, the UTEP managers need your help, too. The Golden Boys, as you know, folks, are uh, playing uh, in the v- all-Twitter voting uh, version of the Managers NCAA Tournament. And here's how it works. They're playing Alabama right now, okay? And if they get enough votes, they're going with to the Elite Eight, uh, of the Final Four, meaning that they're taking eight teams, and I think the UTEP managers would play Michigan in the Elite Eight of the manager games. So here's what you can do to vote for the UTEP managers. All you have to do is go to at managergames underscore. That is at managergames underscore. And you will see in the East Sweet 16, UTEP and Alabama. If you vote for UTEP, it's a huge vote. They need at least 52% or more of the fan vote to go to the suites uh, to go to the final four and right now the way it stands they're right at 52 percent of the vote so again at manager games underscore vote for the utep managers and get them through over alabama very very important because uh, the miners need at least 52 if not more percent of the vote to secure that they will get a chance to actually play in 
uh, the Elite Eight. That, so right now it's all about fan voting. They beat Alabama, they get to play. No more voting. Then they get to go on the court, and I think they play Michigan. So that would be really cool. The UTEP managers against the Michigan managers uh, would be happening. So hopefully everybody goes out and uh, and votes for the UTEP managers. Let's go to Brian in downtown. He's joining us next on the program. Brian, how are you? I'm uh, fine. I'm uh, sautéing ground beef and sausage to make my favorite uh, pasta sauce for spaghetti tonight. You and you, uh, I, I'm telling you, after listening to you coming down from Las Cruces, I was inspired. Man, oh man, that sounds delicious. I love oh, it. Yeah. Um, that is the way to go. Uh, by the way, what kind of Italian sausage and ground beef mixture? Yes. Uh, Excellent. I uh, saute Italian ground beef uh, and sausage about half and half. You know, mm-hmm. One sausage and, and that much uh, ground beef. Yeah. Uh, you know, diced up celery, nice. uh, mushrooms, Italian, you know, and lots of garlic. There you go. A little you got bit it. of crushed red pepper. Uh, oregano and other Italian seasonings, and and just let that sucker saute, and then I add the the tomato products later after everything is uh, rendered down. Listen, when I was okay. at Tutti Santi's in um, in, in uh, Phoenix last week, when you go into an Italian restaurant and the first thing you smell is that beautiful whiff of garlic, it sucks you in, Brian. It sucks you in. And that's and that was like the to me that's one of the most welcoming smells in a restaurant anywhere. And that's exactly what I got. So when you were telling me about that Italian meal you're making tonight, uh, that that brings back a little memories to last week. So nicely done. Yeah, it's unfortunate in El Paso that we don't, we have neither a, a re, a, we don't have uh, a Jewish deli anymore. We don't have a real Italian restaurant. We don't have a real Chinese restaurant in El Paso anymore. You, when you, so when I travel to the other cities like New York or or even Phoenix like that, I that's the first thing I do. I look for one of those three. You know, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, as far as restaurants, you can't beat our Mexican restaurants. And I'll tell you what, my second 100 are not any better than my first 100 when it comes to Mexican restaurants in El Paso. But all the others, well, not so much. I hear you. I hear you. What else is going on? All right, listen, I got a question for you. In fact, I just brought it to Adrian's attention, and, and he's all over it with me. Uh, so he may chime in at any time. But, you know, uh, I'm a hometowner when it comes to the Cowboys and the Dodgers. And I, I have three vehicles that have uh, XM Sirius accounts. Yes. So I have, I have XM Sirius on my cell phone, on my iPhone. And I downloaded the Dodger app and the Cowboys app quite some time ago, and that's how I was able to listen to Vince Scully, and that's why I was able to listen to Brad Sham and the boys after all the, every year after year after year. Well, when I turned on my phone recently to see if there were any, you know, Dodger games, you know, preseason, you know, uh, spring training, both of those apps have disappeared. They're gone. That's interesting. That is interesting. I did not, through, through the SiriusXM app, you're saying, right? Right, and and when I mentioned that to Adrian, he said, well, let me try it, because he listens to the Cowboys through that same app. He said, you know, Brian, you're right, it's gone. Well, also, it's it's perfect for NBA, because think about it, if you're locally, you cannot get blackout games in the NBA, like the Suns, the Mavs, the Spurs, so I rely on the radio broadcast for some of those games. Well, I think there there is, I know, there's an MLB app, and I don't know within 
Now, hang on. I just went on the app, and right now the uh, Dodger broadcast against the White Sox is on uh, channel uh, 853, and it's got the Dodger logo on the top of the app. Well, I'll have, maybe I need to I need to turn my phone off and turn it back on or maybe something like that. Maybe you need like to that, update your app. Too, maybe Brian. you do, but, but let me tell you this. Just, I can't, just, well, I can't download it. Just search, download listen, it. search Dodgers on the app. And the first thing you'll see is Los Angeles Dodgers on Channel 853. Okay, well, I'll try that. Right. What I did, though, uh, yes, but see, the hometown Dodger call uh, is also on iHeart, so I can listen I gotcha. to it that way. All right, well, there you go. So, I mean, I'll, say, I'll do a workaround if I can't get it. I just wondered if anybody else had the same you know, situation that I had. Just uh, search Dodgers. You'll be all set. You'll be in the clear. Uh, by the way, i got to tell you this. Yeah. I picked up on uh, over the uh, vacation a lithograph of Ebbets Field with a brick from the stadium. Oh, in, oh, in the lithograph? In the lithograph. There's an actual Ebbets Field brick. Wow. I love it. You got to come and check that out. You'll like yeah. it. It's right up your alley, pal. Right up your alley. All right. Hey, listen, uh, as we spoke with uh, last week, uh, just come. Uh, give me a call and come by. Sounds good. We'll talk. We'll talk right. to you. Maybe we'll go get some Chinese. I'll take you to a place you'll like. All right. Great. Thanks. All right. You got it, Brian. Four in front of six as we continue here on Sports Talk. Come back for hour three next on 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of hour three here on Sports Talk as we continue with a little Tom Petty. He's Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplow. It's coming your way right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Tomorrow night after the UTEP game, Minor Talk presented by the Oscar Adietta All-State Agency coming up. Adrian will be hosting the show tomorrow. And I hope Sal makes it back. Sal is on his uh, honeymoon, and he is stuck in Florida right now. That's exactly right. Uh, hopefully Sal Montes gets a chance to come back to El Paso along with his uh, his wife, Salma. So hopefully I know that there's been a lot of uh, flights canceled all across the country and all across the board. But, um, yeah, I, I understand that there are travel issues. So hopefully he gets to come back tomorrow. Do we? Okay, so that's that's the key. I guess the travel issues is the biggest thing right now. But uh, I'm happy that they had a chance to at least get to their honeymoon. That's the most important thing, right? Yeah, they had a great time. Uh, they posted about it on Twitter and social media. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that Sal got a chance to uh, head out on vacation and now uh, you know if UTEP wins tomorrow Sal Montes will definitely be back for the next game oh, there's no doubt about yeah. it yeah no doubt about it and the next game I think will be Saturday I think we don't really know listen the basketball classic is fascinating there are from what we understand there's at least nine teams still alive maybe ten we don't know for sure it's 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 fascinating like we know that there are four second-round games, but there is a fifth. We just don't know for sure who's playing, but how do you have five teams or five games? I mean, just this is one of those tournaments where – I guess they're going to have to get really creative when it comes to how they fi- uh, figure it out. Yeah, I, I felt like it got off to the wrong start when they announced that it would be a 32-team tournament and then uh, only 21 teams were announced. But then out of that, tw- out of those 21 teams, only 18 actually participated. So, uh, yeah, that 32-team uh, tournament was quickly trimmed down to 18 teams, and now we have no clue what's going to happen. And by the way, Southern Utah is no joke, okay? We don't know. This is not going to be an easy game for the Miners tomorrow night. They won 21 already this year. They're 21 and, uh, and 11. And apparently, uh, listening to Joe Golding talking about the team today during practice, they move 
um, about as good off the ball as anybody um, uh, other than Kansas. That was what he told the team today during practice. He said that if they are not ready, uh, they are going to be struggling defensively because this team moves constantly and they're always finding open guys because of how they move off the ball. Yeah, they have four 1,000-point scorers on their team right now. So it's a veteran group in the big sky, which, let's be honest, is not that much better than Conference USA or, or worse in that matter. Um, that's a, they were second place in that league right there. And, uh, when you were talking about Southern Utah right here, Steve, they're a team that's high. They, they score a lot. Uh, the backdoor cuts are going to frustrate fans tomorrow at the Haskins center. Yep. And, uh, UTEP's got to be good when it comes to those backdoor cuts and, and stopping those kinds of things. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle folks. This is no, that, that one thing I'll say about UTEP, there, there's no givens in this tournament and Southern Utah is going to be much better than Western Illinois. Western Illinois had Four guys in the portal, including their top two scores. Now the Miners didn't play Jamal Bienemy, but still, I mean, you know, you play a team without uh, with, with without four of their guys, uh, and that takes a road trip to El Paso. It's never going to be easy. Yeah, and I also feel like anybody now in this tournament in the basketball classic, these are going to be quality tougher opponents, like you would see in Conference USA. I, I would say that uh, just looking at this Southern Utah team on paper, their athleticism, the fact that they've got a, several guards who can score, they remind me of uh, a lesser quality version of a UAB. So if you're UTEP, you really have to be prepared for tomorrow, and if you want to advance in this tournament, and I, I think this the players, this is all player driven. I think players really want to move forward and, and try to win this tournament for UTEP. This whole thing is player-driven. That's that's why they're playing right now, folks. There's, I mean, when, when we talked to Joe Golding after the loss in the conference tournament, I think he was um, ready to start recruiting and, and really moving on. But the team wanted to play. If there's one thing I've learned about Joe Golding. If his team wants to play, they're playing. As simple as that. And you know what? He actually couldn't get a flight out of Vegas on uh, last, I think that was last like Friday, and I forget what day it was, but it was whatever day they were right after the conference tournament. He was in Vegas, needed to get back to get ready for the Tuesday game. And I think he drove back on Sunday from Vegas just to get back to town so that he could start practicing. Wow, that's a crazy story in itself right there. And I, I know that Golding wanted to just, you know, support his Abilene Christian team uh, that, that he formerly knew some former uh uh, friends and pl- coaches, whatever it may be, but he supported them at the WAC tournament and to the fact that he ended up driving for this kind of tournament all the way home just to make sure his players were prepared. That shows his dedication and shows how much that he really you know cares about this group. And even after the game, after this win against Western Illinois, Golding went off and, and said a lot of uh, praise all, all his players and said a lot of great things about this team as far as how all the leadership, you know, and that was really the reason why they decided to play the leadership of this team. Absolutely. And I th- and I think Joe Golding enjoys working with this team. And if he can get a couple more games out of it this season, he's all for it. Yeah, I also feel like if you're if there's a sliver of hope in keeping some of the, you know, elite three, I'm talking Sule Boom, Keontae Kennedy, and Jamal Bienemy. If there's a sliver of hope in keeping some of those players moving forward, you do whatever you, it takes to try to get them here. And if that means playing in this postseason tournament, so be it. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you want to try to keep it, you know, keep keep the nucleus together. That is uh, that is ultimately the point. Eight past the hour, eight eight zero five seven six three. Our telephone number. My thanks to Esteban who tweeted me that uh, Trattoria Bellasera at Yarbrough and Montana is good Italian food. There we go.
So thank you very much, Esteban, for that. Listen, there are there is good food. I know Brian said what he said about you know uh, delis, Chinese, and, and Italian. There's good. You just got to find it. That's the best way to put it, Adrian. We know that firsthand. You got to be able to find it because sometimes places you've never been into will surprise you a little bit, and then you'll get hooked. Hey, don't judge a book by its cover. That is the that goes for all local restaurants here in El Paso. Just because the front might not, uh, the door might not close all the way, or you know they might only take cash, doesn't mean that it's a bad place by any means. Absolutely. Oscar at Oscar915 just tweeted our show at 600 ESPN El Paso. Second place in any league is something to pay attention to. Maybe not the name recognition, but still a big threat. I also saw that they're an excellent rebounding team. They are. Oh, yeah. They are one of the best rebounding teams in the big sky. Uh, not only they are, are they one of the national leaders for defensive rebounds per game, but they're also national leaders for rebound margin, field goal percentage. So not only can they score, but they also defend on the other end. Listen, they can come in here and beat the Miners tomorrow night. They absolutely can. So let's not just suddenly take this team for granted and say that the Miners are just going to show up tomorrow night and win. Doesn't work like that. Yeah, it doesn't work like that at all. I also want to reference Ken Palm, the advanced analytics website. Uh, Southern Utah is ranked 169. UTEP, on the other hand, they're ranked 100, and I, I believe it's, yeah, 159. So not mm. much difference uh, between the two teams in terms of their advanced analytic rating. Absolutely. 8805763 as we continue here on Sports Talk. I will say this. I mean, when I looked at their non-conference schedule, they didn't have any big wins that stood out, but they played well in their league, and that's kind of the thing that that I look at. And you want to know something? They score 79 points per game. That's 26th in the country. And, um, you know, they rebound pretty well. And they've got a guy, and uh, I guess his name is uh, Tavian Jones, who's a senior from Chandler, Arizona, 6'7", He's dropping 14, uh, 14 and a half a game. Yeah, I, I look at their uh, best, you know, most quality win. I guess it's Tevian. Yeah, Jones. Tevian. Uh, their best quality win in non-conference. Maybe you look at Yale an overtime win, eighty-eight, eighty-five. Yale was an NCAA tournament team. Maybe you look at that team. Maybe you look at Utah Valley. They beat them sixty to fifty-six in non-conference play. So that's uh, another one to look at right there. And then in conference play, they couldn't really beat the best uh, in in the league. Like they couldn't beat Montana State in the two times that those two played. Although they did beat Kent State. Uh, 83-79 in the first round of that tournament. I see it as one of those games that's going to probably be uh, like a five-point game. Could be right down to the wire. We've seen plenty of those at the Haskins Center this year where the Miners have had to try to eke out a win, and that could be the same way tomorrow night. Yeah, if Southern Utah comes into the Haskins Center tomorrow and the, if they lead at halftime, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, the mine, you know, the coaching staff really getting on the players, uh, having those halftime adjustments, and like we've seen uh, from time and time again this year for this basketball program, uh, them, them uh, pull a come from behind victory when it's all said and done. One thing that's interesting to note: Southern Utah seven and seven on the road, so they won some road games, and that's also important. This is not a team that's uh, you know three and twelve on the road. This is a team that can win some road games, five hundred on the road, and that also uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that bear is repeating. Yeah, let me, uh, let me get a little gr- water here. Uh, you, you, I got you, Steve. The, with this team right here in Southern Utah and their head coach Todd Simon, I, I would not overlook this team at all. I'm not going to go go out and tell you that this is the best team out there right here, but uh, for Todd Simon and for Southern Utah, ever since he's ta- uh, taken over this program back in 2016, they just want to get some kind of postseason love, and this is this is their chance to do it. Absolutely. All right, uh, 13 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Get back to the phones. 
tweets, more of your comments and calls in just a moment, plus Adrian's movie review, and it's going to be coming up uh, next segment, by the way, for you. So, folks, next segment, Adrian's movie review here on Sports Talk. But first, tell you a little story about uh, Carly and Devin. You know, they were relocating to another city, uh, and they needed to sell their home on the northeast side of town. So they turned to the agent who could give them the best advice and get it done for them. Brian Birds and his team. And very quickly, those offers started pouring in, and Brian and the group were there to advise them on which to accept. Because you know what? It's not always about choosing the highest offer. So they accepted an offer that was 10000 over the asking price, and now they can move ahead with their relocation and extra cash in hand. Congratulations, Carly and Devin. And that's thanks to Brian Birds and his team, the Brian Bird's Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty. In fact, some of you might be worried about leaving money on the table. If you sell your home, I understand that. But you know what? Brian's going to guarantee to sell your home for a price and deadline you both agreed to. Or you know what? He'll buy it himself. And that, of course, gives you the chance to make an offer on another home without fear of ending up with two mortgages. Because you know when and for how much your current home will sell. No drama with Brian in home selling. So, give him a call. Official real estate agent of UTEP and El Paso Locomotive FC. Not to mention the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. He's Brian Birds. Online at brianbirds.com or Google Brian Birds, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. Hey, El Paso, have you heard? To sell your home, get Call Brian Birds. Go to brianbirds.com. All right, 18 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk, 880-5763. That is our telephone number. Remember, the UTEP managers are in the Sweet 16 right now going up against none other than Alabama. They need your votes. So if you don't follow them on Twitter, you need to. It's at UTEP Managers, the Golding Boys, at UTEP Managers, or you can just go directly to the Manager Games Twitter handle to vote for the Miners. That's at Manager Games underscore at manager games underscore and uh, you're all set and good to go and uh, we appreciate everybody that's given the UTEP managers a little love I want to see them have a chance to go play in the elite eight and and go to the final four and be part of the uh the, you know the chance to win the championships of the managers so I I was uh under the impression if they're in the final four they go to New Orleans but I was talking with Eddie who joined us uh as part of the UTEP managers a couple weeks ago I was talking to him earlier today at practice and he said no 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 Anybody who makes it to the Elite Eight is invited to New Orleans to start to play some basketball games. And I said, well, how are you guys going to do it? Like, are you guys going to just bus out there or or get a a flight out there? Or what's going to happen? And he said, we're just going to figure it out. We just need to advance, survive in advance. But they need 52% of the votes in order to uh, beat Alabama. And that's exactly where they're at right now. They're at 52. So how great would it be if by the end of tonight they're at 55 and just get people over over the hump? Yes, that'd be perfect. And Eddie, from Eddie's words, uh, I will I will relay this. He said that he thinks Alabama has um, outlast. I guess they've used all the resources they've already had, and they've already spent all that resources. So he feels really good about the UTEP uh, fans vote coming out and voting for them instead of Alabama. All we need now is uh, all we need now is Aaron Jones to give a retweet and uh, get every Packer fan in uh, you know in the country to uh, vote for the uh, for the Miners and it'll be all set. Yeah, just one big push for this manager team in order for them to get over the hump. That's right. That is right. Uh, Felix Chavez just tweeted out a little while ago from John Rothstein that uh, Tulsa looks like they're going to hire Eric Conkle as their next head coach. So suddenly, La Tech will be without a coach, 
And that is another school that, you know, again, uh, in Conference USA has done very, very well in basketball. You knew it was just a matter of time before Conkle goes someplace, so he could be off to Tulsa, and now La Tech could be having a, a coaching opening. Wow, how about uh, the AAC starting to snag some of these Conference USA coaches right here? First, Eric Conkle, also Grant McCaslin in the mix for the SMU job, uh, making the jump from North Texas to SMU. How much of a jump is that? That's what may, maybe people would wonder. But at the at the same time, Steve, uh, at the mid-major level, mm-hmm. people regard the AAC much higher than they regard Conference USA. No doubt about it. And think about it. Matt McMahon is leaving Murray State to become the LSU's next head coach. So there is a mid-major going to the SEC. And uh, you also have another one. Um, Chattanooga's Lamont Paris, who's going to be going to South Carolina. So in addition to Chris Jans, there are four other mid-major coaches that are all filling vacancies in the SEC. Wow, that's a that's really interesting to look at. It's going to be uh, interesting to kind of go back once um, once you know three years have passed with these coaches to see who's actually had this success. Is that the right um, way to go? Do you hire these mid major coaches who are on the rise, or do you promote within and, and you know go with some assistance instead of going for that hot commodity uh, mid major coach? It's going to be interesting to kind of reflect and see where the trend goes for these college coaches. I'm with you. And by the way, how about this, Jerome Tang? Six years, two point one million per season with K State. Wow, that's it. That's really interesting, right there. I'm I'm curious to know behind closed doors how close was Kansas State into hiring uh, uh, Chris Jans instead of Jerome Tang, or if they wanted Jerome Tang all along. Or did Chris Jans want Mississippi State all along? We don't even know if that was even the situation. That's the fun part about it. Yeah, I mean, could ha- could uh, Chris Jans have declined that? Um, you know, further advancing in that Kansas State, um, I guess, head coaching vacancy interview process. Could he have declined that to uh, zero in and focus on that Mississippi State head coaching job? We don't know, but it's kind of interesting to just see all the shuffling uh, with the coaching uh, carousel happening in college basketball. Absolutely, and I think uh, Chris Jans will be arriving soon. Ah, he has arrived apparently uh, a little while ago in Mississippi, so he's now there and, you know, showed up with his wife and uh, obviously with the uh, contingent out there in Starkville and should be fun to see him now uh, get a chance to be part of that press conference. You know, just hearing the departing quotes from Chris Jans over the weekend, it just really feels like this is such a tough, tough decision for him to leave Las Cruces. It's probably one he's thought about for a while now, of course, and uh, that you know he's ready for that next move, but still doesn't make leaving any different. And he's uh, just you know, Las Cruces was his home. It was a place where he it allowed him to really succeed at the coaching level. So I'm sure it was a real sad and tough departure for Chris Jans and his family. They gave him his own cowbell when he arrived. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Nice tribute. Yeah, it even has his name on it. It says, Welcome to the Family, and it has Chris Jans on the bottom with the Mississippi State logo on the top. What a great gift right there, and a nice welcoming gift for that matter. That's pretty cool. I don't know if they've got their own beer like Mario has, but at least they're doing well in other regards, right? Same colors, so he doesn't have to change too much of his wardrobe. Yeah, that That is true. I noticed that. You know, Jans has a bunch of different uh, plaid jackets and different kind of you know apparel, and now he really is going to a program where he doesn't have to change anything. I mean, everything he wore in New Mexico State, you pretty much can use those same color schemes for Mississippi State. Yeah, you know when uh, coaching changes happen and CBS or uh, Bleacher Report, they're posting the picture 
picture of the coach. They're having to usually recolor the tie or something like that. They're having to use some kind of Photoshop uh, when they put out their promotional content. Not with Chris Jans, not with Mississippi State. When they tweeted out the pictures, it was same that, that same maroon tie that he wears uh, like he has in his profile picture. I love it. 880-5763, our telephone number. Is our uh, is the way for you to get right on in and through to the program? Um, huh, this is interesting. Okay, what do you, what do you want to hit on next? Do you want to hit on? Uh, let you know what? Let's do the uh, okay. Let's do the Matt Ryan trade to the Colts. That's important because ultimately they got a third round pick out of that, and now the Falcons are settling on Marcus Mariota as the replacement, which tells me. That the Falcons will be drafting a quarterback pretty high in the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, and on the other side with Indianapolis, you essentially get rid of Carson Wentz, especially that contract. The contract's the biggest thing with Car- Carson Wentz, and you're not having to eat up too much of Matt Ryan's contract coming back. I know that you had to deal out uh, a draft pick, but in return for the Carson Wentz pick, you're getting uh, a third-round draft pick that c- could become a second-round draft pick if Carson Wentz decides to play a, or uh, indeed plays a, a a bunch of snaps for the commanders this year. So I actually think this is a win for the Colts, despite Matt Ryan being an older quarterback. I think for the Colts, they just need to shed off that um, that Carson Wentz uh, contract that was terrible and then get some formidable replacement. Now with the Falcons, I agree with you, maybe it's Malik Willis, mm-hmm. maybe it's Kenny Pickett, but yeah, I think they're going to go with the quarterback and then have him under Marcus Mariota or vice versa in their quarterback room. So here's the only issue with that, okay? Right now, the way it stands, the latest mock draft I have seen, the highest-rated quarterback is Kenny Pickett going to the Saints at 18. That's what Todd McShay has. So um, does it make sense to suddenly take Pickett at 8 if he's being projected to go to 18? Or do we think that quarterbacks always seem to have a meteoric rise in the weeks leading up to the NFL draft, so that's bound to change? I agree with the latter. I think that uh, more momentum happens in the final weeks when it comes to quarterbacks, and whether it's Malik Willis getting a lot of steam at the end, whether it's Kenny Pickett, whatever it may be, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these quarterbacks found their way into the, you know, in the first round, which, to be honest with you, Steve, whether it's Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, whatever quarterback you want to throw at me, I just don't think it's near, not even close to the caliber of quarterbacks we had in last year's draft. Uh, I still think the way that the NFL is right now, how we fall in love with quarterbacks left and right, there will be teams who will talk themselves into drafting one of these quarterbacks in the top 10. And I, I think if you're Indy or if you're Atlanta, it might it might behoove you to stay stay patient, wait until the second round. Why not get Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati or yeah. get a quality guy who might drop into the second day instead? I mean, Matt Corral, you don't know if he's even going to be a first-round pick. We'll see what happens exactly. with him. Meanwhile, the Falcons pick 8th and 13th. So could they go for a better position player at eight and then take your quarterback at thirteen? Yeah, you still have to you, you still have to figure out what you're doing at the receiver position because you lost Calvin Ridley. Exactly. So you need a number one receiver. You lost uh, Russell Gage as well uh, to Tampa Bay in free agency. So maybe you look at one of the best receivers at, out of the draft and, and pick him early on, or you go on you go the defensive route and get the best corner or safety who's who's still left on the board, whether it's you know Sa- Sauce Gardner or yep. Derek. Stingley, maybe you go that route. 
you could see Drake London or Garrett Wilson going to the Falcons at eight, couldn't you? I could. I definitely could. And I, I like Olave, too, in the mix. Uh, Garrett Wilson's probably the best prospect you're going to get and still wouldn't ca- count out. Um, I, I, his name is oh, Jameson Williams from Alabama. Oh, I mean, he's, he's got the surgery. The, the question is, yeah, I don't know about going high on a guy that's coming off of ACL surgery. Sure, I agree with that, and I feel like then maybe does Atlanta trade back? Do they package number eight and try to get two uh, first-round picks late in the draft and then maybe take two two guys uh, late in the first round? Could see that, too. Could see that, too. Again, uh, it's it's uh, it's going to be fun. And as far as Indianapolis goes, you said it. The trade-off is you, you trade from Carson Wentz over to Matt Ryan, and you know what? We saw what a guy like um what what a guy like uh, Philip Rivers could do for his one season in Indianapolis and he was pretty productive maybe Matt Ryan will have the same kind of success over there man you're you just reeled off Rivers Carson Wentz Matt Ryan they've just had so much quarterback turnover there Jacoby yeah. Brissett has been in the mix with the Colts it feels like they're just a quarterback away from being a real Super Bowl contender they've been above average with just the the bunch that they've had so I'm I'm curious to see what the Colts do at that quarter back spot. Mr. A just sent us a tweet as we'll go back to UTEP for a second. He says after UTEP wins a close game tomorrow, who do you think they play next? I have no idea, Mr. E. I mean, this 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 whole tournament is so um random. Uh, we don't know. We were talking about this earlier today because it, it, there's not like there's there's eight teams left in four games. There's either nine or ten t- or eleven teams left, and at least five games. So how do you do that in a tournament? How does that work? Does UTEP get a buy? I mean, I do they play the extra game because they have the home games? I don't know what they do. I don't know either. Here are the teams that they could play. South Alabama, who's right now beating SC Upstate 23-13. to You could have uh, one of Coastal Carolina or Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, that game's going on right now. Coastal Carolina leads 59-55. Uh, two, other game, or two other teams who are competing tomorrow in the Basketball Classic. Uh, actually, you have to look to Wednesday, Youngstown State and Fresno State. And then uh, lastly, you know, there's that team who's looming. It's uh, uh, Portland. They, have, they do not know who their opponent will be they did not play against new orleans so portland university is another team to monitor uh later on this week what a what a wacky wacky tournament that is seriously there's no continuity and there's no uh there's just there's no details around it there's no even bracket there's not even a bracket out do they even have their, do they even have a website Yes, and uh, I, I do not uh, recommend to go to it. It's the basketball classic, and I feel like if I go to that website again, I'm going to get another virus on my phone. On my phone oh, my that's laptop. terrible. It's going to be dropping viruses left and right, huh? All right, bottom of the hour. Let's get back to Adrian. One last Sports Center update. Here we go. Thank you very much, Adrian, as we continue here on Sports Talk. So um, I appreciate Greg from the West Side sending us via text the basketball classic bracket on Wikipedia. But there's different versions of this bracket. Nobody knows for sure what's going on. That's the problem. Their website's different than the Wikipedia bracket. Twitter is different than everybody else. Look, there was a game that was canceled due to COVID. But we don't know if one of the teams that was supposed to play dropped out or they're still involved. There's been no communication. There's no release. There's no nothing. That's part of the problem. We have no idea. I think it's Merrimack. Yeah. We don't even know if what we don't know what Merrimack's doing. Their game was postponed due to COVID and it was on the opponent's side. So we have no idea if Merrimack just said, screw it, we're out, 
or if they're still in. That's the weirdest part about this tournament right now. Yeah, and I know that uh, a lot of people have been referencing the Wikipedia page. I get it in my mentions a lot on Twitter, but on on Wikipedia, it literally says this. Note, the bracket is for visual purposes only. In lieu, in lieu of a traditional bracket, the field of and matchups are reset after every round. So you can't take this bracket uh, like it's going to be a final thing at all. Who is running this tournament? Do we know who's in charge? I have no clue. But uh, I'll tell you this. If you search the Basketball Classic, you can't find their website. But if you just go to thebasketballclassic.com, you actually can find their website. Like, it actually does pop up. Oh, my God. And you're afraid about a virus on your computer? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm still on it right now. And when I'm looking at schedule and results... Oh, by the way, the the main image on thebasketballclassic.com is of Sule Boom. and really? uh, Yeah, and of Western Illinois. But if you go to schedule... Schedule and results, uh, that's probably the most bare-bone part of the websites you'll find with a TBA on Portland March 23rd or Friday, March 24th, and that is a TBA as far as their opponent. Oh, wow. This is – oh, there's a – they have a committee, the basketball classic. There's actually a committee involved in this. Here we go. I'm looking at the basketball classic. There's a bunch of people. There's anybody I know. Um, no, not a single person. I don't know any of these guys either. <laughs> they have a committee, though. That's good to know. And I think the chairman is Jamie Kekmerick, uh, or Ketchmerick, the former coach who is the, the chairman of the selection committee. But it's weird because when I go to the basketball classic committee, it says CIT selection committee. So is the is the old CIT now the basketball classic? I get yes, that is that is correct for sure. They renamed it. They renamed it. The CIT folded under the pandemic. Uh, they did not have the CIT in 2020 or last year, and this has uh, taken over the CIT instead. So uh, very bizarre, Steve. I have no clue what's going on here as far as this tournament goes, but uh, I think we'll just go week by week or game by game, as as this tournament says. All right, here's the cool thing. Um, uh, Jamie's on Twitter. Maybe. Adrian, maybe we can find a way to get a hold of Jamie and understand how this tournament is working. Wow, yeah, I'm I'm in. If we can bring him on the show and and talk some uh, and talk about this uh, this tournament and what to expect in the future, I think that'd be really interesting. I'm with you on that one. So, all right, let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can do that. All right, because otherwise, I, I don't you know I don't know how else this works. He's been tweeting out a bunch of stuff. That's really good. He's been tweeting out results, so he's active on on social. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can figure out a way to, uh, to 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 at least communicate with him. What do you say? I, I say this is a great idea. I also say I'm flagging this tournament three years down the line to see if there's any kind of like uh, you know money problems or anything like that that we have to circle back to with this tournament because it seems a little sketchy, Steve. Just if a UTEP sketchy. wins the tournament, will they hang a championship banner or give championship rings? Um, can we do like uh, can we do like stoles like graduation stoles? You know how the the players get to wear a UTEP mm-hmm. basketball stole, one that says the basketball classic with a stole when these uh, players that graduate. Cool. That would be cool. Do me a favor, hit up uh, Jamie Catch uh, Catch Merrick on uh, Twitter via six hundred ESPN. See if uh, he'll contact us so we can find out what's going on about this tournament. What do you say? I think we need to hear it from the man himself, the chairman of himself of this tournament, and I think uh, Jamie is the perfect guy for this. He yeah, because, is the guy. Because we 
don't know how many teams are in this tournament. We don't even know what, what's going on. We don't even know how they're going to do a quarterfinal or any final, how this is going to work. We're totally in the dark. Yeah, what kind of – is there a trophy at the end? Where is this going to be taking place? Well, I guess it's at all the all the home sites of these uh, of these schools, but, man, it, it just seems uh, kind of all over the place right now. But you want to know something? It makes it more fun because the fact that there is so much mystery involved, to me that just adds to the mystique of this tournament. I, f- I, get, I like I that. that. Yeah, I guess really, because every week you don't know who you're going to play. You're, you're just kind of playing week to week, not sure what, where you will play it for that matter. And uh, for minor fans, the best thing that they could do is just go out and support because the tournament's going to look at the attendance that UTEP's able to draw and say, wow, yeah, let's continue to have more games at the Haskins Center and let UTEP host more games down the line. I mean, I guess fans want them to win it all, which I understand, but I'm just kind of happy that they get to play more games. That's To me, that's the added bonus right now, especially if since we don't know about the future of some of these guys, it's cool to see them playing some extra games right now. Yeah, and I feel like the players are, you know, you, you go to practice, a lot of smiles across the board, everybody having fun. So the players are loose right now. They're, they're having fun, and they're getting a chance to play some extra basketball, which uh, in years past they wouldn't get a chance to do. Good. 21 in front of 7. We'll come back, wrap it up next. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues right here with Tourney Talk coming up. Hey, we've been talking, we've given you Tourney Talk all show. But I got to tell you something. If, you, uh, if you've if you been listening and paying attention, you know exactly what Tourney Talk's like. And I apologize. I promised a movie review. Adrian, we're doing that. We're doing that right out of the break. That's Forget the final countdown music. We're going to play Hooray for Hollywood. We'll get it all in our final segment on 600 ESPN El Paso.